Let me take away any suspense. There's probably nothing I'm going to say today that you don't know already. But I want to encourage you this morning to be people who remember that God has forgiven you. And as a result, we are called to forgive others. If you live long enough, let me tell you something else you already know. If you live long enough, somebody is going to do you wrong. You are going to be lied to or lied about. You will be knocked down, sometimes, hopefully not literally, but figuratively, sometimes very much intentionally, by folk from whom you hoped for better. People are either going to walk out on you when you need them or walk in on you when you don't. It's really in terms of uh, whether you will ever have an offense to forgive. It's a question of when, not if, isn't it? The question is, though, what are you going to do when presented? with an opportunity to forgive. This is a question that the Apostle Peter raised, that some of us have probably raised as well, and that is, well, how many times do I need to forgive someone? And I want to be clear here that obviously we would recognize that there may be circumstances or situations where forgiveness can and should be given when the dynamics of the relationship need to change. Huh? You can you can you can forgive while recognizing that you know may, maybe the uh, the the situation involving the other person can't stay the way that it is. I'm not I'm not I, just, just to be completely blunt. I. I'm in no way suggesting that God calls us in, uh, you know, caught in some sort of a, an abusive relationship, whatever that looks like. I, 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 don't think, I don't think that the call of God in regard to forgiveness is that you just, I can't think of a better way to say it than grin and bear it. That, that's, not, that's not the teaching of Scripture. Hmm. But the teaching of Scripture is that we are called to forgive. Implied by Peter's question, how many times do you have to forgive someone, is a few other questions. Well, when, when do I get to replace forgiveness with bitterness? When is it finally okay to carry a grudge? When is enough enough as it relates to forgiveness? Well, Jesus answered the question. And you will not be surprised, based on what we've considered the last few weeks, that he did so with a parable. Let's read the opening verses. First, the question. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 
In Jewish culture, the going rate, as it were, for forgiveness was three times. Their policy was similar to three strikes and you're out. huh? Peter doubles down on that number and adds another one for good measure. Seven times, Jesus? In his initial answer, Jesus was not giving a math lesson. I think some translations actually say 70 times 7, which would be what, 490? He wasn't suggesting that time number 491, you can bow out. What he was saying was, there is no limit to our forgiveness of others. Because there is no limit of God's forgiveness to us. One of the keys in extending forgiveness is understanding the why. Why am I called to forgive? Jesus continues with a great story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. In Jesus' teaching on forgiveness, he begins with a directive to do something. Do remember that God has forgiven you. Just as we used to have in this country hundreds of years ago, in Bible days, there were debtors' prisons. People that owed debts they couldn't repay were thrown in prison. Here was a man who owed the king a great sum of money. He was brought before the king, who demanded he pay. The amount he owed was staggering. If you do the math, and convert to our currency, so this may not be exactly right, but it's within the realm. Scholars say the amount he owed would be the equivalent today of around $60 million. So Jesus was just throwing out this outlandish debt that no one would have been able to pay. In fact based on the average rate of pay, if this man worked seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, and gave everything he made to the king, it would have taken him over 600 years <laughs> to repay his debt. There was no way that this man was going to be able to pay off the debt. He was in an impossible situation. The man in the story, spoiler alert, represents... You and me. Folk who have 
a great sin debt before a holy God. That we have no way of paying on our own. The king, of course, represents God. The point is that we all owe God a debt in regard to our sin that we cannot pay. The king does the unthinkable and not only releases the man from the prison in which he could have him thrown in, but forgives the debt. Sets him free. As followers of Christ, we are a forgiven people. Our sin debt has been completely paid, and we owe God nothing. God has forgiven us of all our sin. The story continues. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He, the man who had been forgiven, refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Jesus turns this great story, as he does often in these parables, on a dime. The forgiven man had not been free for five minutes, and he goes looking for one of his debtors. Jesus' hearers fully anticipate and expect that they know how that story, how that encounter is going to go. What other way could it go? This man has just been forgiven, a debt he could not pay. He encounters someone who owes him a debt. Well, naturally, he too would forgive, right? Not in Jesus' story. The second man owed the man who had been forgiven the equivalent of about $12,000. Not a small amount, but way less than the $60 million that had been forgiven just moments prior. What is even more bizarre is that he demands that the debtor be put in the jail that he was just relieved from until he could repay the debt. How is he going to repay the debt? Can't work. In jail, can't make money. He's creating for his debtor an impossible situation. Sometimes it is difficult for us to extend forgiveness to others because we forget so quickly just how much we've been forgiven. If we stay focused on what others have done to us exclusively, we'll forget what we have done to God and what God has done for us. Go back to when the king released the first debtor from his debt. 
and forgave it. In Jesus' story, there is no word of gratitude by the man who was forgiven, not one word of thanks, not one word of appreciation. He leaves and immediately seeks out someone who has wronged him by not repaying. Instead of reflecting on the great debt that had just been forgiven him. We are only equipped to give forgiveness to others when we are grateful for the forgiveness that God has given to us. Jesus concludes this parable when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master, the king, summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. The story should have and could have had a happy ending. All this man had to do was just forgive as he had been forgiven. But instead, he winds up in the very prison where this story started. Though it's a great story and a great way for Jesus to illustrate his point to Peter, it's not an easy teaching of Jesus. Forgiving others is to quit focusing on what they have done to us and start focusing on what God has done for us. The truth of the matter is, if we refuse to forgive the one, we end up hurting the most is ourselves. There's a way in which forgiveness and bitterness becomes literal chains on us. Bondage. There's much that has been studied from a holistic perspective on even the toll it can take on your physical body to carry around bitterness and unforgiveness. The truth of the matter is, if we refuse to forgive, we primarily hurt ourselves. Just as the initially forgiven servant ended up in jail by the end, those who refuse to forgive end up in a prison of their own making. Prisons of anger, bitterness, even depression, all with its root, unforgiveness. God's forgiveness is unconditional, but it is not unproductive. When God sows the seed of forgiveness deep in our hearts, we too will bear the fruit of forgiveness for others. As has been said, forgiven people forgive people. 
I want to be clear that God does not forgive us because we forgive other people. However, we forgive others because God has forgiven us. Though not easy, it is the call the cross upon our lives and recognizing and remembering the debt that we have been forgiven. What other response could we have? May the Spirit of God give us grace to walk in this teaching of Jesus. Amen.